Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. you Emmanuel giver of life we thank you we thank you for being the source of our strength we thank you for being the source of our joy we thank you that all that is good and perfect they come from you we thank you that there is no shadow of turning in you thank you Jesus we worship you Holy Spirit we thank you for your mighty presence this morning we thank you Jesus it is written that the dead cannot praise you neither any that go down into silence but we the living we who are alive will bless you Lord from this time forth and forevermore we bless you Jesus Holy Spirit have your absolute way in the midst of your children this morning be glorified in our worship be glorified Lord be glorified be glorified Holy Spirit this morning we cast all our burdens onto you we leave all our anxieties and all our fears outside and we focus on your beautiful presence. Teach us from your word. Speak to our hearts. Let a captive be set free. Let a blind see. Let a lame walk. Holy Spirit, have absolute control in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to bring you a short, short sermon because today is also communion. Our services are quite short already, and when you have to deal with communion, you know that it's even extra, extra shorter. So today, I want to speak to you on your work is your worship. Your work. The work of your hands is your ultimate worship. Amen. Many times we are programmed to think that there is a difference between the secular and the sacred. So if you're called to be a pastor, you are sanctified and set apart. But if you're called to be a mechanic, you are just an ordinary person. And yet, in Christ Jesus, we are all his chosen. Amen. Peter, the apostle, wrote and said, we are all a chosen generation. We are all a royal priesthood. We are all a holy nation. Amen. We are God's peculiar people. He has set us apart. Amen. And the earlier the Christian realizes that whether they are a mechanic or a carpenter or a pastor or an evangelist, we are all in his sacred service, the better. Amen. So today's sermon, that is a very quick summary of the sermon today. Your work is your worship. In the creation story, when God talked about his agenda to create mankind in Genesis, quickly he said, let us make man or let us make humankind in our image and after our likeness, and let him get to work. (laughs) 
work was technically the purpose for creation. He said, let us make man or humankind in our image and after our likeness and let him or let them have dominion over straight to work. In fact, when God shows up in Genesis himself, the very first time, the moment his name is mentioned in the beginning, God, the next, the next word after his name is work. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> right in the beginning, he presents himself as a worker. The Bible has many, many, many pictures it paints of God and most of them is God at work. So whether he's the one who provides, every parent here knows that uh, <laughs> provision is work. <laughs> Amen. So whether he's Jehovah Jireh or whether he's the good shepherd, the shepherd, I mean, shepherding, you know, you see these Fulani boys walking with the cattle and sheep for miles. Shepherding is a lot of hard work. So whether he's the good shepherd or he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, or he's the gardener in John chapter 15. He said, my father is the gardener. <laughs> uh, a few days ago, I tried trimming the hedges in the house and I quickly realized that uh, my forearms need a bit more exercise. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Gardening is a lot of work. Amen. In 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 22 to 23, there's a story about King Saul and his encounter, a very unpleasant encounter with the prophet Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter 15, 22 to 23. God had instructed Samuel to tell King Saul that when you go and fight these people, kill all of them. Leave none alive. And then Samuel hears the mooing of cows, the bleating of sheep. And he's like, oh, you didn't kill all everything God said you should kill. So Samuel tells him, what is more pleasing this is Samuel speaking to King Saul. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? What is more pleasing to the Lord? Is it your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is a sin as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Amen. Saul, King Saul had rejected the command of the Lord. Uh, the Bible has many, many commandments the Lord gives us. Amen. And here the prophet Samuel tells King Saul, because you have rejected the command of the Lord. He has rejected you. Amen. And today I will draw our attention to a command God gave us that most of us have never properly understood that we have, um, you know, glossed over and how it is stealing from our destinies. Amen. Your work is your worship. So when Samuel 
stood before Saul and he, in this encounter, what he was telling Saul is that, listen, ultimately, ultimately, the proof of your love for God is obedience. Amen. Uh, it is great to sacrifice. This church is full of people who sacrifice. Amen. Uh, for the worship team to be able to come here and sing, they have to sacrifice their Wednesday evenings. Uh, they'll have to have rehearsals. If you don't have data, they'll spend their own money, buy data, get online, have rehearsals. Uh, Sunday morning, they have to get here early uh, before all of us so they can quickly go through their songs. Whilst we are seated, they have to stand on their feet and sing and sing and sing and sing. When we are closed and we leave, they stay they rehearse again. Sometimes a voice coach will come. They will do some voice training. And they leave typically about one hour or more after the service is over and everybody is gone. That's sacrifice. Most of the time, our brother John will come here on Saturday to make sure that everything is in place and there are no complications so we can come in Sunday morning, worship quickly, and go away. That is sacrifice. He always has to sacrifice a bit of his weekend. Many of us, I can go on and on and on and on about sacrifice. So when you read the story and you see sacrifice, it's not always about, I mean, if, especially in Christianity, it's not about goats and sheep and taking goats and sheep and going to kill them at some altar. Amen. It is what we bring to the kingdom. And many of us here, there are people who quietly sacrifice. They will show up and bring and say, oh, for the Sunday school, you know, give them these uh, cookies. There are people who secret, secretly wire money into the church's account so that bills can be paid. And so the offering basket goes around and the money doesn't look impressive. But the church keeps going on because people sacrifice. Amen. Sometimes somebody puts in five CDs and it's, it's the five CDs they had. It's all the money they had in their pocket. It's a sacrifice. Amen. And God sees that and he appreciates that. But he says all that sacrifice is not enough if you don't realize that it is part of a relationship. Amen. So you can't do these things and say you are doing them for me. But in another life. So almost like a, a, a bipolar syndrome. There is Nanakofi the Christian. Who does all these amazing things for Christ. All this sacrifice. And there is also the Nanakofi who lives life the way he wants. This was, this was the kind of personality King Saul had. So he would do all the religious ceremonies. But. He was also another person. There was a part of him that actually resented God. And Samuel tells him, no. In fact, if you think your sacrifice impresses God, know that your obedience to his commands impresses him much, much more. Amen. So what is superior to your acts of service, what is superior to our sacrifice, is when we obey the commands we know he gives us. Hallelujah. And most of the time, most of the time, it is about work. It's about work. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses in Exodus chapter 20, 
he begins and says, I'm the Lord your God who delivered you out of slavery in Egypt. Have no other gods before me. And then he goes on. By the time he gets to the fourth command, he says, Remember the Sabbath? Exodus chapter 20. Okay. I'm trying to find it in my notes. Uh, it's not here. Maybe today I'll go Pentecostal. Uh, somebody can read it for me. Exodus chapter 20. Verse, it's okay. Let me just quote it. Exodus chapter 20 verse 9 is what I want us to focus on. In verse 8, Exodus 20 verse 8, he, he says, remember the Sabbath. It is the seventh day of the week. In, in, in Jewish calendar, that is Saturday. So he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Amen. And recently, a friend of mine wrote a book defending why all churches must go back to worshiping God on Saturday. And he brought me a copy. He drove all the way to my house and brought me a copy. And I had a conversation with him a few weeks after. And I said, you know, the principle of the Sabbath is that you set a day apart for rest, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Saturday anymore. But I agree it is a command and we are obliged to obey it. But what is interesting about this particular command is that it is a twofold command. Amen. The command on the Sabbath is a twofold command. And we tend to miss the first part. Actually, we, we tend to miss the, miss the middle part of that command. So in verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath. And keep it holy. And then in verse 9, he says, Six days you shall work. For six days in the week, you must work. <laughs> that also is a command. Amen. So, for generations, I mean, back then we used to print the Ten Commandments and hang in our homes. We would have Four. Fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And it was written by people who were hardworking. A culture where everybody worked. In a culture where everybody worked, this part of this, the Sabbath command is negligible. Because actually people want to work seven days a week. Amen. You want to, they, want to, they want to work every day of, of the year. So the focus was, and the focus for a long time in church has been on the day of rest. Amen. But actually, the full command says that, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, but for six days, you must work. Amen. So when the Christian is not working, <laughs> when the Christian is not working, they actually are flouting the Sabbath command. The only reason why you get to rest on the seventh day is because for six days you have been working. It is a bit like when they tell you a coin actually has three sides. And you realize, yes, it's true. All my life I have known that a coin has three sides. But I was raised to believe every coin has two sides. And I never questioned what about the rigid part, the other side? Sometimes they, they will write, you know, Bank of England or Bank of Ghana. You know, 
A coin has a third side. A coin is a three-sided object. Not two-sided. But it is very, very easy to miss the obvious because somebody told you different. Amen. The Sabbath command clearly says that for six days you must work. The kingdom of God has no room and no space for laziness. In fact, if you know the Ten Commandments and you know that God says for six days you must work and you are not working, then you have to go back to the conversation between King Saul and the prophet Samuel. And then he will tell you, rebellion. Rebellion is to know what God says you should do and not do it. He says rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Laziness, according to scripture, is idolatry. Because God brought you here for a purpose and he has given you an assignment and you decide, I would rather sleep than do. And before God gave these instructions to the people of Israel, these ten commandments, he wanted to let them know that he's not a taskmaster. Amen. He wanted the, to, to let them know that it is not about bondage. It's not about slavery. So his first lines in Exodus chapter 20 to the Israelites was, I am the Lord who delivered you from Egypt, from the land of bondage, from the land of slavery. Amen. These instructions, these commandments are not to put you into bondage. They are to help you. Amen. It's very, very important. So, when a Christian is not working, they are flouting God's command because God says, for six days, you must work. You must. It's a must. It is a command to work. It is important. Because if you are lazy, it is impossible to fulfill God's destiny for your life. It's impossible. You won't find anybody in the Bible who fulfills God's plan for their life and it was easy. When God showed up, I mean, throughout scripture, when he showed up, when, when, when the prophet Samuel showed up in Jesse's home, I think Brahmathi referred to that on Thursday during our Bible study, last Thursday. When he showed up in Jesse's home, Jesse had eight sons. All of them were disqualified because they were hanging around doing nothing. The one who was at work, the only one who was in the bush taking care of the father's sheep was the one God chose. When Jesus was calling his disciples, most of the time they were at work when he called them. Busy at work. God doesn't call the lazy. He doesn't. God doesn't use the lazy because laziness is rebellion against God. And there's nothing worse in this world I have learned than an intelligent person who is lazy because they can give you amazing reasons why they can do something. They can give you fantastic stories. 
But the Bible says, by their fruits, you shall know them. So if you look at your life and you don't like the fruits you're seeing, it tells you that probably, probably, you are not doing something right. Amen. It is also important to know that when God says we should work, in the original concept of this work, this, this command, is not necessarily about occupation. So there are many of us here who have jobs. We do the job and we get paid at the end of the month. And sometimes a credit crunch happens or COVID happens and people lose their jobs. But this command is actually not about occupation. Occupation is important. It is critical. For most of us, that is how we get to feed ourselves and our families. This particular command is about your vocation. It's about your calling. Amen. And the two are not necessarily the same. For some people, it is. But for many, many people, it is not necessarily the same. You know? So, Brother Matthew has an occupation that says he's a banker. So, if you go to SG and you're looking for him, you'd find him and he'll be there as a banker. But there's a calling on his life. Amen. And so many times I see people who may lose their job and they'll just sit at home and everybody hears their piti pitiful story. You know, Because we think that every work must bring you money. So money has become the yardstick for what is worth calling work and what isn't. I wonder how much money Jesus made <laughs> from when he switched careers from being a carpenter and started announcing he's the savior of the world. He's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I wonder how much money John the Baptist made or Peter or Paul or, you know, if money is your yardstick for what is your calling or what is work, you are missing the mark. Amen. But he says six days you shall labor and do all your work. We have to work. But don't limit work to money. Amen. What do you enjoy doing? When you enter church, what disturbs you? What do you wish you could fix? Either. The song may sound great to everybody, but to you it isn't. It can be better. That probably is an indication of your calling. Amen. What comes easy to you? You know, everybody comes, they struggle at it. Everybody comes, they struggle at it. And you're like, oh, this small book, you can balance it. This is not difficult. This is not complex. That is probably an indication of your calling. Because it is complex. Math is complex for a lot of people. <laughs> Tax taxes can be complex for a lot of people. But it isn't for you. It's an indication of your calling. Everybody takes a photograph and it's crooked. And you're like, ah, so can't you see there's a line? No, they can't see there is a line. That's why they cut the head off in the photo. They can't see that there is a line. So, ah, can't you hold the camera straight? No, they can't. It is not their calling. Amen. 
And finally, in just six minutes, I have to round this up. It is never too late to walk in your calling. Amen. By the time we get to Exodus 20 and we hear Moses talking and he says, the Lord has visited me and the Lord says I should do this and the Lord says these are the commandments and he brings the tablets and we are impressed. This wasn't always Moses. Amen. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 we, there's a very, very sad picture of this man. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back or west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb or Sinai, the mountain of God. Moses, this man is 80 years old. Eight zero years old. Catherine. Four twenties. He was old. In every quarter of the world, 80 years, you're a senior citizen. At 80 years old, the sheep he was taking care of were not for him. Eighty years old. Now, if you also discover that he was most likely the most educated man in Midian. He grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. Got the best education. By age 40, he thought he could conquer the world. At 80, he was a miserable old man taking care of another man's sheep. But what is interesting also is that you can see that at 80, when most people would say, Oh, you know, the good old days when we used to, and they just want a lazy chair and a number of grandchildren around them to tell them stories. The Bible tells you that Moses, this old man, holding his walking stick, will walk with the sheep from Midian all the way, climb a mountain, Mount Sinai, wherever there was good pasture, he will take the sheep. At 80 years old. They weren't his sheep. He wasn't getting paid amazing money for taking care of somebody else's sheep. It wasn't what he had wanted to become. And yet, if you find an 80-year-old man who would drive sheep all the way up some mountain somewhere to go and find green pasture for them, that man is a hard-working man. That man genuinely cares about the welfare of the sheep. It doesn't matter if this wasn't his life dream. He gave it his best shot in spite of the circumstances. And God honors that because our work is our worship. It wasn't about Jethro. It wasn't about the terms of engagement. It, it wasn't about his role. It was about his passion. And God honored that. Amen. Today, I know it's easier in church to prophesy over people 
and tell them, breakthrough is coming. And it's true. Many times, breakthroughs come. But how do we work when that breakthrough comes? How do we deliver? What is the quality of our work? Because that is your worship. This is how you'll be remembered. When I say Michael Jackson, you remember somebody who can sing and dance like nobody else. When I say the Apostle Paul, even in prison, he will write, he will write epistles. When I say Michael Jordan, you know nobody balls like Michael Jordan. When I say Azuma Nelson, you know he's going to knock you out in the ring. Everybody will be remembered by the quality of their work. Not how well we sing in church. Our work is genuinely our worship. Amen. And this morning, this is just a short one to encourage you. Look at that work you are doing. It doesn't matter whether it is in a secular institution or in church. As God's chosen child, every work you do is sacred. Every work you do. Because that is how they will know that you are a child of God. Amen. The Bible says they will see your good works. Your good works. It doesn't matter where, but wherever you are, they will see your good works. And they glorify, they will glorify your father who is in heaven. Amen. Don't let somebody's bad attitude rub off on you. Or the low salary, the inflation that is eating your salary, let it not rub off on you. Amen. Do your best work. And as you do it, remember, it is your act of worship unto our God. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. This morning, I stand here and prophesy over everybody believing you for a breakthrough in terms of career. Father, open for them doors no man can close in Jesus' name. Anybody who has sent applications out there looking for jobs, I speak over those application letters that they will be favored in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. And Father, for every one of us who has a job or a calling, we pray for strength and focus to do our best work. Because this morning we have learned that our work is our worship. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.